21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Well, I talk to thousands of investors and there's really two big things on their mind right now. One is they're scared. There's a lot of fear about the recession that's going on right at this minute. We're seeing it'll happen all around us. Inflation's happening, interest rates are going up and there's a panic. Uh, the second thing on their mind is, well, how do I win from that? <laughs> because like, like many of them, I went through 2009 and 10 and I was in a bunch of investments and lost it all. <laughs> and so I've spent, you know, since then rebuilding my career in investments that'll ride out recessions. But right now, the big question is, how do you harness these incredible opportunities that are coming up? And how do you position yourself to pounce? And that's what we're working on with our, our latest fund, is positioning myself this time to not be at risk for losing it, but to be ready to, to win big. Why opportunities now? Is it something special regarding the market? Why Why do you think that we have opportunities now more than before? Yeah, so in the real estate side, there are interest rates going up and especially commercial real estate. I mean, looking at it, we have just under 5,000 apartment units, about 500 million in management right now that I'm partnered in. And what's happened is some people got long-term debt where you have fixed interest rates, where you're kind of shielded from rising interest rates. Uh, some of the operators got, got variable interest rates, but they bought a cap. So that means that sure, their cash flow would be taken up by interest rates to a point, but then they're still safe. And that's where all of our assets are at. In fact, we're, we're still, we're in good shape. But there was a lot of very aggressive, maybe short-termer kind of people that hadn't lost it all before, didn't do that. So there's hundreds of millions of dollars in and commercial loan debt coming due uh, that needs to be either extended or or that assets are falling apart right now because the interest rates have climbed and climbed and climbed and sucked all the cash flow. So it's not necessarily that we're gonna find a bunch of distressed building uh, that we have to do a heavy lift and renovate and construction. It's that we're finding a bunch of distressed operators. Maybe it's because they really struggled during COVID they have huge delinquencies. They didn't know how to manage through it. Maybe they didn't have enough reserves to deal with 20% of the residents not paying. Maybe simultaneously, we've seen interest rates go up, you know, 20 to 40%, sorry. Maybe simultaneously, and simultaneously, we've seen in, uh, insurance go up because of the natural disasters we've seen, 10 to 20, some, some cases even 40% in some markets. That's all cutting into the cash flow. In addition to that, now you have interest rates going up, cutting into the cash flow. And what we found is maybe that's enough. Or like in our last asset that we picked up in, in Atlanta, a fire hit and burned a building down. And so there's, there's a lot of opportunity if you go out there and find it. We have an acquisitions team that is a half dozen people sorting through thousands, contacting all kinds of owners around our target markets in the southeastern United States, Midwest, and some of the surrounding areas. And we are finding today those kinds of investments 
that were 2008 style, where we can buy it and we can get our capital back in six months to a year. We can pull all our capital out that we purchased and that we used to purchase it in six months to a year, but still own the asset. And so that's why we're creating this fund. So we can be cash heavy and pounce on those opportunities. What is the business model? How do you make money? Yeah, well, so a lot of investors are out there in the stock market doing 401ks and IRAs, right? And what they're finding is inflation's hitting them. They're paying fees for management uh, and they're down. And it's going to be a hard time for them because they're not winning with inflation. Whereas if you join a private equity company like Invest on Main Street, we syndicate. So we raise capital from passive investors. They subscribe to our funds and we use that capital to go buy real assets. You get a real percentage of real assets, which allows you to take advantage over the inflation hedging of real estate, income generating real estate. It also lets you take advantage of the tax advantages, both in what you call depreciation, like you have in your single family home, but that offsets the cash flow that we push out from the, the rents. So you can invest in these, be purely passive. So you don't have to be in the stock market that's volatile. Right now, you don't have to go spend your time away from your family, friends, and hobbies to invest in real estate on your own. You can invest in our funds. We, with a long history and a track record, with a huge team of acquisitions and asset managers, and, and we'll continue to work and recirculate your funds within our, our operations to continue to produce the best return. So you're going to benefit from a great, what we call average annual returns, cash flow, tax advantage, cash flow, and appreciation. And as a fund manager, we give away the first, in our latest fund, we're giving away the first 10%, 100% of it, the first 10% yearly return goes to you. And then after we perform above that, we'll take a split of the profits. And that's, that's how good operators work. Regarding your approach, you also had impressive career, also in, in, in high-tech space, working on teams that designed, built innovative manufacturing automation and even robotic systems. How has that experience influenced your approach to real estate investing and other ventures? And if you can tell us about your journey into real estate investing per se. That's a great, it's a great question. And it's so interesting because I, as a kid was definitely the engineer playing with Legos, taking apart VCRs and building all kinds of stuff, loved it. And so I immediately went to college as an engineer. I ended up doing machine design uh, robotics and mechatronics. And what I found in my senior project, building an automated steak barbecuing apparatus, I just had a passion for that. I started at a, what we call an automation house, a firm where we would design custom machines and make one of a kind products, medical devices, solar cells. In fact, did a robotic assembly for the Tesla rotating part of the motor, all kinds of really cool stuff. It was the, it was the 
owner of the first automation company that I worked for that said, hey, Patrick, you're bright, you're gonna have a good future, but don't put all your eggs in this high-tech basket. It's gonna be, it's gonna be up and it's gonna be down. Make sure that you invest in real estate. And his biggest regret was wishing he had invested more sooner in real estate. And this was back in 2006. And so I took it to heart and I doubled down on searching and researching and analyzing all kinds of real estate deals. I was very young and aggressive. Actually found uh, pre-development, uh, a team with a great track record, invested in personally guaranteed some loans to build out some single family uh, developments. And then eight happened, nine happened. And what happened then? Back in 2006 and seven, it was never gonna go down. I mean, it was gonna go up forever, right? And I didn't understand uh, the risks I was taking. I didn't understand buying for cash flow. I was, I was trying to double, triple my money every year or two at that point. So uh, I lost everything. And I, in fact, uh, went underneath. It took me a couple of years just to get out of it. I uh, went through foreclosure and hit my credit. And then the lender came after, or the, the government came after me and 1099 me for the debt forgiveness that the lender asked the government for. So it was it was it was really challenging to just escape that. I I was pretty stern about not going bankrupt. I didn't want to go BK, uh, but you know what? A lot of people did, and they they bounced back. So I took the harder journey. But that caused me to get a to double down back into engineering. Uh, did an MBA, master's in engineering as well, and started doing well again. Uh, and I saw that voice in my head: you need to get into real estate because I've seen my I've seen I've seen the volatility at this point of the of high tech as well and but how can I do it in a lower risk way how can I do it for cash flow recession resilient markets and I started moonlighting uh, doing research buying properties in recession resilient markets like Texas where I could buy and I could renovate it and very quickly begin to cash flow existing construction not trying to pre-develop land <laughs> And so um, it was It was great. It was working. And that was the problem. It was working. What was working is me working very hard at a high-tech job, flying all over, and then moonlighting this real estate thing. So it made me, it was a lot of trade-offs. But once I started, when I started realizing that I had met what would soon be my wife, I started really, I can't do this anymore. I, I, it's, it's too much of a hit. Do it yourself. No, not partnering. That was too much of a hit. I needed to scale. And so I told my wife I was going to take a break. When After we got married, I, um, I traded in the larger multifamily assets, which are my, I mean, literally, I had this very narrow window buy box of three bedroom, two bath, mostly Houston, and get my capital out and continue to. But then when I looked at all the other assets between three bedroom, two bath, there was literally like nothing I was interested in because the economy is a scale and I wanted to get on-site property management, I had to go above 80 units. So I went from three bedroom, two bath to 86 units. And so, but at that point, you're at commercial assets, you can get non-recourse debt, property management's on-site. And then I partnered up with individuals that I could work with. And then all of a sudden things scaled and we went uh, 159 units and then we went to 70 units. And you know, now we're a little below uh, 5,000. And then we diversified into energy, 
And at this point, we're looking at opportunistic acquisitions that are going to allow us to take advantage of the super steeply discounted uh, opportunities that we're seeing come up because of the recession right now. If you can recap those, not only personality traits, but approach, uh, mindset, what was important, and we can learn from, from that definitely, what was important in that process for you to, to stay alive and to prosper? That's a great question uh, because it was tough times, especially when you know I, I thought I was so smart in engineering and then I launched into real estate and I not only lost my money, but I lost the money of one of my best friends, right? We were <laughs> so... Uh, and it, uh, so it, it took, it was a journey of several years to build that confidence back. Um, and the persistence, I guess, that kind of kicked in later, there was a sense of resolve where, hey, you know what? I don't want to just do the high tech work until I die path. And I, I listened to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I read the book, and I knew that there was more to it. Um, and I knew here are these very successful guys that had started their own company and they still didn't think that their high-tech business was ultimately going to be the answer to their future, they still were believing in real estate. So I had that good role model um, speaking into my ear. And, and by the way, uh, that guy is still investing with me in my deals today, <laughs> for like decades and decades later. But it, there was a sense of persistence. Um, I, I don't, when I dove back into my career, it took me 30, I was, I was working full-time and I went and got a master's in engineering uh, and an MBA. And that was challenging. But I knew that for me to just get away from being a 3D modeler in the engineering pit to actually go out and make a difference and do cool things, I was going to have to suffer. I was going to have to pay for a little bit. So, and it worked, you know, within a couple years of me graduating my master's degree, I was up making enough cash flow again, looking for a place to invest. Uh, and I could do it. I could be more of the manager at that point instead of instead of given, uh, I could take on my own projects. Um, and so that's what really got me back into it was I felt like I could have that control. And that only took me so far. I think that the trait uh, that, that needing to be in control and taking control over my own real estate deals, um, unfortunately, that's often the shortcoming of a lot of managers, right? Because they they have a hard time partnering up or relinquishing control or, or, or trusting in the superpowers or skills of others. And because of that, I literally traded time away from my family, friends, and hobbies. And I think it was uh, not until that I learned to partner and I learned to trust in others, but verify, right? Learned how to vet partners, learn how to see which ones are like-minded and their realist and their risk aversion, ones that are complementing in skills. And it wasn't until I partnered that I actually saw both my personal life take off as well as my investment life. And my business, I've always been good at what I did as an engineer, but what was really cool was when I saw the real estate uh, and private equity and we diversified into energy as well, uh, that completely take over the engineering stuff. And I walked away from the engineering, didn't miss a beat, didn't look back. I'm really excited about it. But yeah, the persistence, the um, pivoting back and forth between uh, and uh, the learning to partner up and trust are two are probably the, if I was to give myself some advice, 
I would say learn how to partner and work with others sooner. And that's a reflection of the success that I've had and also within my business, right? Hiring the right kind of people and trusting in them. And regarding your communication and your energy, what do you think are your strengths? So are you an open person? Are you authentic? So what what was the, as, as you spoke about some books and trainings that you went through, so you have learned a lot, but you have learned from your life as well. And now it's time for us to learn from you. Is it some special kind of approach? I mean, what's the secret ingredient? What's the secret ingredient? I would say it's grit and work hard. Um, I've, I've always been a hard worker, um, but uh, it's that 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 nagging self-improvement side, I would say. I, it's so funny because I actually tend to be an engineer over analyst, um, keep my head close to the grinding wheel and just get the work done. And for many years, I never got my story out there. And we have an Amazon bestseller book right now, and I speak on stages monthly now. And, that was not natural for me. I, I am an engineering geek inside, 100%. Um, but every morning I run, uh, actually around this lake here, right behind me with my puppy, and I listen to, I listen to TED Talks. I listen to audiobooks, self-help books. I listen to podcasts like yours that are inspirational, that give me, that I, I learn different things, business books. and. Uh, self-assessment books and I'll get done with a podcast sometimes and I'll literally take actions right in that day and I think that that's prob perhaps both searching searching for what is that next level that next thing I get to stretch myself to do and then moving on it and I'll tell you what I never thought I would become an you know in a you know in a book that was a bestseller on Amazon but you know, right now it looks like we're on target to do that with the Wall Street Journal this year. And right now, right, I'm looking at potential TED Talk stages that I'm going to be on this year. And I'm floored. I'm totally blown away and super freaked out about, about it, quite honestly. But I guess it's that sense of excitement and adrenaline that really sharpens the skills and um, taking action and you know, seeking, seeking self-development that I think is an attribute of those that have been successful in my life. And yeah, to your, your question, the transparency and integrity are, are very important for us as an organization, especially because we use other people's money. Uh, you know, just in the last couple of years, we've raised about $56 million. So there's, a lot, there's thousands of investors that have put a lot of trust in us. And they're expecting that. And we tell them the truth, yeah, unbridled, transparent. Hey, things are going great or things aren't. And here's exactly why. And here's what we're doing. And they can handle it. You know, and I think that that's perhaps where a lot of fund managers go wrong is they think that uh, their investors aren't big boys that can't. They have to hide it or shield it or sugarcoat it. That's not the case, right? If you're, if you're very real about exactly what's happening 
and you articulate what you're doing about it, even if it's not the greatest news, um, they're, they're going to support you, right? Because investors ultimately, they make analytical decisions to support their emotional decisions. And ultimately the decision to invest in somebody else and trust somebody else with your kid's retirement and their future, that's an emotional decision for most investors. Uh, then they support it with logic, but you have to show up, you have to be honest and transparent uh, up front because they can see right through you. After having been distracted by shiny, flashy objects before and really high ungodly returns, um, um, I tend to put on my sunglasses nowadays. Uh, there's a lot of things like uh, Airbnbs uh, that are high returning, high cash flowing, but they're hurting right now, right? There's, and they're on the fringe of legislative risk. Um, there's other strategies investing in new startups and venture capital that constantly come up and there's, there's a lot of like kind of leap of faith transactions. I am not that guy. I am not that guy at all. I have a very narrow buy box that is supported by analytics and data. And that's just who I am as a person and very calculated, uh, with systems and processes coming from my systems background to make it repeatable. And we do a rinse and repeat strategy in specific target markets because of that. I wouldn't consider any of that a leap, <laughs> leap of faith. And um, maybe the very first real estate deal I did was a leap of faith. And then past that, it's just been calculated rinse and repeat what the wealthy and ultra wealthy have been doing for centuries. And we're just doing it, making it available to accredited investors through securities offerings, through syndications. Um, and we did the same thing in energy space. We're doing the same thing right now uh, and up in, our, in our new fund to take advantage of the you know, huge discounts that we're seeing in the market. Let's go back to your best-selling book. You have covered a lot. The book is Persistence, Pivots and Game Changers, Turning Challenges into Opportunities. That's that's a major accomplishment. Congrats for being a number one uh, best-selling best book on Amazon. Can you share a few takeaways or key takeaway uh, from the book that has resonated most with your readers. Sure. Uh, and, and I did a chapter in the book and I'm happy to give a free copy of it away to your listeners if you'd like. Uh, if you go to investonmainstreet.com slash book, that would be the secret link. And if you have a promo code, what promo code should we give them? 21CE. There it is, 21CE. If you type that into the promo code, 
at investonmainstreet.com slash book. Uh, we'll, we'll ship you a signed hard copy of it for free and you can actually read it. Um, and, you know, I, I collaborated with Phil Collins, the lead guitarist of Def Leppard, NFL, NBA um, players, coaches, as well as some entrepreneurs on this. And Brian Tracy did the forward. It did make an Amazon number one persistence pivots and game changers, turning challenges and opportunities. And that, um, and if you, if anybody also wants to have a chat, I sign these books and send them out. And I hope that it inspires you in your journey. Um, but uh, I did it because actually Russell Gray from the real estate guy said, look, you need to get your story out there. You need to be more vulnerable. You need to tell people what you're doing. You're doing some cool stuff. You're just doing it in your hobbit hole. <laughs> and I don't live in a hobbit hole. I mean, this is, it's a pretty nice place. <laughs> but but uh, the calculated engineer needed to get it all out and begin to share how I've gotten to where I'm at to speak to your listeners, to speak to those entrepreneurs that are working so hard at what they do. And they're very good at making income or coming up great, but they're not sure what to do with it. And so the, the talks that I'm doing uh, coming up this year are to, to address specifically that investment business you have, that's a department of whatever you do that you may or may not be uh, taking to the level that you do all the other aspects. You may be an incredibly good attorney. Well, isn't the whole purpose of that to make income, to support your future, right? So the big, the big message that I like to get out there is to, to those, especially those that don't think they're investors. Well, you are, right? If you have a job, you're an investor. And how do we then foster that? If we take it that deliberately and that seriously, you apply even 10% of the effort and energy that you put into your day job towards your investment portfolio. And you think, well, who's gonna be my CFO of this investment department of my business? Who's gonna be that? Am I gonna be that? Well, then we gotta, we gotta level you up. We gotta get you on a phone call. We gotta get you some materials. Are you gonna rely on, or are you gonna work and partner up with some others, right? which is a great option. And that's how I actually reached my success. And so those are, I, if you're a slaving away, trying to do single family yourself, you know, while doing it, that's what I was doing. I'm passionate about that. If you're a hard business, business owner and you're struggling trading time from your family, friends and hobbies, uh, struggling trying to figure out where to put your cash, uh, especially in this recession, um, passionate about helping people like you too. And that's what this is all about. It's how I navigated it. The, the pivots I had to take through it and how I got through it to the point where all of a sudden I realized, well, you know what? I don't have to do engineering anymore. And the day that uh, my email shut off was a clarifying day for me. It was not a fearful day for me. It was a clarifying day. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And my wife and I, we're going to Hawaii for three months this year. And we moved to Hawaii for all of COVID. So you can have on the other side of it, taken some deliberate action for a short period of time, it doesn't take too long to get this train moving. Take some deliberate action to treat your investment portfolio, your investment business. You may not realize you have as in the same similar energy that you do everything else. Then we'll get you on that train and we'll get you that, that, that goal.
One of my investors came to me and he's a hard worker and I used to do machine design and automation for him in the medical space. And he heard about me through the grapevine that I'm no longer doing any set up a call with me and he's just like, oh, you're in real estate. I am too, you know? And he's like, I have a rental on like Tahoe. I'm doing, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, he's like, what kind of real estate are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm doing large hundred million dollar multifamily apartment communities in the Southeastern states in Texas. <laughs> and he's like, wow, how are you doing that? And I said, well, well, because the, the, those are actually lower risk and more profit, they're more profitable. And so the conversation went forward to he was so happy about his rental, but what happened is there was a day in which he was able to get a good deal, a good deal, and he held it for a long time. So he had a lot of equity, so he felt like he was winning. But the return on the equity, the $400,000 he had trapped in this home, he was actually only making a couple percent when you look at the cash flow, not that he originally put in it, but the cash flow on the equity he had in it. When we look at the return on equity, that's when it gets real depressing for these buy-in holders, right? And I was once one because it means, wow, now I'm only getting a couple percent because I've got all this equity. Well, your opportunity costs, right, is to go find another really good deal. Well, it's not that easy anymore. And then not only do you got to find the deal, you got to then get the deal. Now you got to go to work improving that deal to drive your equity up again, and now you've got cash flow, but then all of a sudden here you are again where that equity is high and your cash flow is smaller. And now you got to do it again and again and again. That's the roller coaster that um, people, the single family buy and holders, they take kind of a blind eye to the fact that every year they hold their rental, unless they're improving the property, their internal rate of return goes down. Now, what's different about a, an opportunity like mine is, hey, Bob, you can sell that out. They can sell that asset and you can do a 1031 exchange and be a partner with me in a larger community, not in a place which is tough, like California, Nevada, you know, rent control and seasonal and everything and tax like crazy, but in one of the best markets in the country, the highest growth market where everybody's moving to, they're attracting businesses, they're attracting people and prices are low compared to cash flow. So we can buy and get a lot, a lot more cash flow immediately, and then we can improve the properties. And you don't have to do anything. You're going to trade forward. We have a team of acquisitions guys that are going to find the deal. We're going to execute it. We have on-site property managers, regional managers that are going to track it, make sure we improve it. You don't have to do anything. And then when we get to that point, we're going to refi out your capital, and that's out of your 1031. You got your capital back. And then we're going to trade it forward using a 1031 exchange and we're rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, a proven strategy and begin to build you a portfolio of properties in the emerging markets. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh man, this whole time I've been slogging along self-managing and my return, my IRR goes down every year. So I'm not saying it's, it's not a bad strategy, but that allows for investors like Bob, we'll call him, <laughs> to retire decades earlier. It allows him to not be all in in one location, but diversified across the growth markets, to be cash flowing, tax advantaged, and to go off and enjoy his family, friends, and hobbies and focus on what he's good at. And that's doing medical device, right? So that's an example of 
how we help people. And same thing with retirement accounts, you know, we can help uh, carve out a piece of your 401k or IRA to a self-directed variant, which allows you to get it all out of the stock market, put a piece of it in real assets. You can invest that in our investments and you can get those tax advantaged, higher returns, hard asset back, inflation hedge, right? So we'll do things like that and it, it does make a big difference. And I get pretty excited about it, you can tell. Martin, I really appreciate you having me. It's been a great time. Uh, if anybody wants to chat, I love to talk to investors. Investonmainstreet.com, invest on main and then street all spelled out.com. You can schedule a meeting with me right on the contact page on that website. Uh, it's part of what I get to do. I get to connect with our investors and get to talk about their goals and get them pointed in the right direction, even if they're not a good fit for us. I know a lot of people <laughs> and we do a lot of things all kinds of alternative investments outside of the stock market. And um, if you'd like the free book, don't forget, uh, we'll send you a signed hard copy, uh, investonmainstreet.com slash book. Make sure to put 21st century in there in the promo code so we know who you are. And uh, my, uh, we'll get that off to you. Um, and on our website, we do have open investments. If anybody's interested in taking a look, we have the new fund coming up, which is what I'm most excited about right now because I lost everything in nine and 10, very risky deals and I wasn't cash heavy. Now we are already seeing deals like that, already seeing those incredible opportunities. They're harder to find, but they're, they're only going to increase as the years, next year or two come up. So if you want to jump on the bandwagon with us to uh, jump in the deals that we're currently seeing where we can pick them up and, and uh, incredibly, incredibly good deals. Uh, jump in there, let us know, and we'll ride this together and win, win from this uh, recession. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast, a gold awarded journey hosted by Martin Piskorik, connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Join our exclusive community, elevate your perspective and embark on the path to success.